Broadcasting from the wine country in California, this is the Kick-Ass Relationship Show, where intimate secrets and modern advice for couples is shared to elevate your relationship to live sexier, happier, and to have way more fun. We believe success in life is better when mixed with excitement and love. And now, here's your kick-ass relationship coach and best-selling author, Midori Verity. Welcome back, everyone. This is your host, Midori Verity. And today we are talking about one of my favorite subjects. It's all about mind control. I talk about this a lot, so we are going to be visiting it. So I want to know, what if you could use brain power to change who you are and become smarter, more artistic, or more successful? What if you could easily gain control over how you react to things so you stay more calm and clear-minded instead of more reactionary? It's a real thing, and it's called neuroscience. And my expert today is going to be talking all about that. And we are going to learn so much. Do you want to have your pen and paper ready? Because this is going to be an incredibly interesting, if not life-changing episode. But before we get there, as always, we are going to start with three minutes to thrive. And today we are talking communication. So I have become certified in, in a certain element of communication. And what I have discovered is why sometimes when I'm talking to my husband, he looks at me like I am foreign. And the same thing happens with him. When he's talking, I'm thinking, wow, he must really truly be from Mars. But here's the answer. Each person wants to be spoken to in a different way, depending on all kinds of different things. But what it comes down to is something that I call your behavioral personality profile. And there's a lot of science behind that, but basically it's how you like to be talked to and how you'll respond better, what stresses you out, et cetera, et cetera, what freaks you out. And there are four different types that, of people that, that get mixed together to form your behavioral personality type. So I'm going to run through these really quickly, but I have a feeling you'll be able to recognize these. So there's four types. The first one is the dominant personality type. This person is the one who always wants to be in charge. The second one is it's the influencer, and this is your social butterfly. This is the person who needs to have a lot of energy around them. They want to be invited to all the parties, and they probably talk a lot about themselves, but they're the most outgoing. And then we have the S, the steady person. This is the person who might be your best friend. They're the person that you can trust. They're the person that you want. If, you're, if you are trying to build a new house or a new project, you want them on your team because they are great team players. And then the last one is the compliance person. This is the person who is going to make sure all I's are dotted, all T's are crossed, and that everything is thoroughly researched. So all of us are a certain level of each of these. And based on where you are on the four categories, that makes up your behavioral personality profile. And by understanding these further, you know how to talk with your partner or with your kids and understand them. So we're gonna go into this more each week, but I just wanted to give you an outline of what it's all about. 
if you want to know right now, you can actually go to my website and um, learn more about that. And that is at discassessment.biz forward slash couples. It's also on my website. And that's where I talk about it a little bit more. But without further ado, we are going to start learning about brain science and neuroplasticity and all that crazy big old words, but learn how it applies to us and how it can change our lives. So I'm going to welcome on my beautiful guest, Miss Heidi Crockett, who is a licensed psychotherapist and a relational neuroscience expert. She is the author of Caregiver Stress and the Neuroscience of Dating, both relational neuroscience books on how to achieve optimal mental and emotional health. And she knows everything neuroscience. So welcome to the show, Heidi. Thank you. Thank you. I'm such a neuroscience nerd. So whatever we want to talk about, I will leap there. I love it because I'm a neuroscience geek too. And I, but I don't have as much um, expertise as you do. So I'm so grateful to have you on the show and to teach us. But I want to start off a little bit about with, with um, you, you talk about relational neuroscience and I'm not sure what you mean by that. So can you explain that? Yes. So for our listeners, the specific area that I'm an expert in is called interpersonal neurobiology. Another word for interpersonal is relational. Another word for neurobiology is neuroscience. So the words are interchangeable. So what is that? Um, the phrase was coined probably about 20 years ago by a neuropsychiatrist named Dr. Dan Siegel. And it, it has to do with a framework, um, interdisciplinary framework. So combining sociology, neuroscience, all the different sciences to provide a forum to understand the mind and relationships and what it means to be human. So when I'm talking about relational neuroscience, I'm talking about kind of a forum, not just an interdisciplinary field. And the things I'm gonna explain, the principles about brain integration uh, are based on a lot of neuroscience research and can be applied not only like in physics and in math, but in relationships. So that's just a general background to it. And if I were to say, what is relational neuroscience from a lay person, I would just say it is connecting brain to brain. That's okay. So it's connecting brain to brain. So let's, let's um, break this down a little bit because I know a lot of, you know, for, for those of us who are not scientists, um, you know, we, we just want to know how does it apply to our life? How can it, how can it help us? So let's, let's go there a little bit more. Right. So connecting brain to brain and integration, which is kind of like the buzzword of relational neuroscience to integrate is the quality of that connection. So the definition of integration for people who are listening is high differentiation and high linkage. So this, this is people who are in math or uh, physics know this, but in relationships, the way it's applied is honoring differences is the high differentiation and fostering caring connections is the high linkage. So having high integration or good emotional health means you're in relationship with someone where you can honor each other's differences, but also be powerfully linked. Okay, so some of that cut out a little bit. I think our, our connection isn't perfect, 
But so what I'm trying to understand is, so you talk brain to brain. And so when it comes to being with a partner and, and understanding how, you know, how do we use this neuroscience to make our relationship stronger? Can you tell us some tips on that and how, you know, this brain to brain thing, does that mean like how we connect closer, how we understand one another? What do you mean by that? Yes. Yeah, so what, as we talk more, I think I'll be able to explain the principles better, but the, the kind of the science behind relational neuroscience is that like you and I were talking right now, but that actually there's a third thing in the room. And that's kind of what relational neuroscience is pointing out. It's the relationship itself. And it's a real physical thing. And the quality of that connection, it influences both of us. It can help us both integrate internally in our own brains and reach like a higher state of integration or if it's a poor connection then we can go to lower states of integration so okay how so so as, far, so as far as a relationship goes with a couple so if we are so if we are not getting along if we are you know if, if my partner and i were fighting a lot and we are not seeing eye to eye. I'm not understanding where he's coming from at all. And he's feeling the same way with me. I'm going to assume that we're on that lower end of what you're talking about. Is that correct? Am I understanding this correctly? Yeah. And we, we, we exist on a spectrum of integration from like low brain integration to high brain integration. So it's not like we're just in one place all the time. And, but when, yes, when a couple is arguing, they're probably in a lower state of integration and oftentimes when you're under stress the higher functions of the brain they go offline and you're more in the limbic brain which is kind of the emotional brain and the stress response mm -hmm. so like if you're okay really, perfect so yeah i want you to stop right there because that's big what you just said so the limbic brain is the more of the emotional part so when we get really upset and we lose control you know we, we we have a tendency let's say this is our pattern when we get backed up to a wall we feel like we need to come out attacking and we lose our mind you know you hear that term we lose our mind and so instead of saying in control staying calm and responding in a systematic understandable um manner that's well received we come out as this crazy <laughs> person who is yelling and screaming and nobody's listening to us and it's not helping us at all. So is that the limbic brain that's talking right then? Yes. When that happens and how can we change that? How can we change that type of behavior? Well, the first thing I would say is you have to kind of look at external environment factors that are, that are influencing that. So oftentimes alcohol is a big one, uh, you know, you know, if, and also if you have not eaten for like a really long period of time, if you haven't slept, so all those things make you more susceptible to just get sucked into the vortex of the emotional brain. You know, you're not, you're not able to access these higher functions. So you got to look, gosh, am I tired? Am I, you know, and the, the key with all this is to be able to be aware of the fact that, I'm in my crazy limbic brain. Because if you're aware of it, then you can call like a timeout. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So if you know, because I see this all, I see a lot of patterns in relationships. And, you know, maybe it, a lot of it's from your childhood or whatever. It doesn't matter where it's from. 
but they're patterns that don't serve us anymore, serve us anymore. And so if we are used to responding with our limbic brain, as you're speaking about, I, there are ways to, that's what I love about neuroscience is that we can change things and get to a subconscious level and change the way that we, we respond. But you're saying, so be aware of it. That's the first step, correct? Yep. And then what's the next step? Once you're aware of it, what are some other tips for us once, once we know what the problem is? Well, what we want to do is we want to go at it from two angles. So you know how I said there's like inside what's happening, we're coming out, we're relating. Then there's the relationship, the outside relationship and how it's affecting us. So outside with the couple, that's called co-regulation. And inside, coming from inside me, is self-regulation. So we can actually work to cultivate both of these. Uh, I think the, it's better to time out the situation and to learn how to self-regulate. And so people do this, they just don't have these big neuroscience terms. You know, they go outside and they have a cigarette, which I don't recommend, but I, there are lots of ways that people self-regulate, you know, externally and like not as healthy ways. You can go out and you can go for a jog you know, maybe that's a little healthier way, but whatever it is, we it's just whatever we do to calm ourselves down. That's how we self-regulate. So that's, that's it. when you're getting, it's called emotional arousal, when you're, or emotional intensity, when you're reaching a certain level, like I'd say a seven or higher as a couple, you know, I think as a couple, I would cultivate having a timeout because you're not going to access your prefrontal cortex when you're, when you both, when one or both of you have that high level of arousal, the communication is going to break down. You're not going to be able to have the type of communication you want. Right. Totally agree. That's when we say things that we regret later. Is that what you're talking about? Uh-huh. Okay. So what is co-regulate? Is that, what's, yeah. just give me a quick definition on that. So that is, that's really at the heart of relational neuroscience. It's that by talking with me, if you're feeling like I have empathy for you and that we're making eye contact and that we're having what's called attuned communication, that actually affects your, your brain so that you're able to co-regulate and that can help you self-regulate. And you actually, I heard on another radio show, you gave that tip when couples are fighting. One of them, you said, you know, just leave and take a break, you know, maybe go to the beach for a few days, or, you know, that's what you're talking about, and have a good conversation with a close friend. That was your advice, and I thought, exactly, because other people besides your primary partner can help you co-regulate. So we need both. We need to learn how to self-regulate, and we need other people to help us co-regulate, and it achieves the same thing. It helps calm our limbic brain down. And I think that's an important little point that you made and that as partners, we co we can co-regulate co each other. And that's really what the goal is, is to, to bring each other, is to work together so that we become our best selves, right? That's kind of like in a relationship. That's what, that's always the biggest goal. And so that's one thing to keep in mind. So when let's say my partner is freaking out and talking from his limbic brain, that from your theory, and I'm asking you this as a question, is could can I do something to help him calm down so he picks up on my vibe, really, I mean, like my my brain vibe, I guess, and calms himself down, like to kind of snap him out of that 
limbic brain? Is there something that we can do there so that we are co-regulating each other? Yeah, absolutely. Like your level of arousal uh, is going to affect the other person's level of arousal. And that's why we all love it when we're kind of freaking out and our partner can, like I had it happen a couple days ago with my partner where I was just mad, but I wasn't saying anything. And he was like, what's wrong, Heidi? You know, what's wrong? And I was just like, "Never mind," you know, and I was just like, go in and I put something in the dryer. And it was, it was so healing because then I finally just said it and I felt so much better because I had the chance to say it. Whereas I just didn't want to get in an argument with him, but sometimes we, so if our partner can keep calm, like what a wonderful experience that is. It is truly healing. I think if I can be in a high state of arousal and my partner can be calm and it actually calms me down. That's, that's like healing. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, that's that's a good point. So just remember, even if your partner is freaking out, if you can stay calm, you will help take out that the you'll help not fuel the fire a bit and hopefully give him some time to calm or her time to calm down. So with that, we are going to go into a quick break and we'll be right back to learn more. This is one of my most favorite times of the entire show. It is time for Simple Success Tips with Swami, the intuition guru. And we have been learning so much from Swami each week. But today we are going to be talking about the secrets to knowing your inner GPS. Okay, so Swami, what is that and why do we care? Our inner GPS is our inner truth, our inner guide. You know, we we go to mentors and coaches Well, we have one inside of us and it's in our heart. It's in our intuition. It's in our gut. And if we have an issue in life, if let's say our spouse does something and we're blaming them in our heads, oh, they did this. I can't do this because of them or they're making me do this. If we just say, okay, time out, take a breath. Let me check with my heart. Let me check with my inner guide. What does my heart tell me? And if we listen to what our heart tells us, it allows us to do the thing that makes us happy. It might say, I'd want to do this, or I want to, don't want to do that, but we listen to the heart. And then suddenly we're not resentful. It wasn't the external situation or that person that we're blaming. It was really we're upset with us because we didn't listen to our hearts. And the solution is simple. Listen to our hearts. It overrides the logical mind and we're happy, whatever the outcome is. And I love that, Swami. I just have to reflect on that a little bit because I know when I use my heart to respond to people, I never regret it. When I use my brain and I react with anger, frustration, blame, I later often, most probably 99% of the time, I look back and I'm like, oh, darn it. That was, that was, I don't feel good about that. I believe what you're talking about. Is that yeah. right? There was a movie made called Sleepless in Seattle. I think most people are aware of that wonderful romantic comedy. And Tom Hanks' character had this really acidic way of saying hurtful things to people just like that. And Meg Ryan's character said once, I wish I could do that. And one day she did, and she felt horrible. That's it. being kind, and she hurt somebody just without thinking. And she's, oh, I don't like that. Yeah, good reminder. 
Awesome. If you are enjoying and getting value out of these simple success tips with Swami and you would like to meet Swami and myself, because we know that we would love to meet you, we are putting together one of the most groundbreaking approaches to your relationship, to developing a more thriving relationship, which is what I'm all about. No one else has ever done this before. It is based on positivity and fun and excitement. It is going to be one of the most impactful weekends you have ever had. It is going to change the way your relationship is and the future and the lifestyle that you have right now is going to shift that and design your life the way that you want it to be. So it is coming up. And if you would like more information, just simply send me an email, midori at midoriverity.com. And I will send that to you. And Swami and I cannot wait to meet those of you who are listening and just to give you a big fat hug. We are here with Miss Heidi Crockett, and we are learning all about neuroscience in our brain and how it affects our behavior with our, our partner and in life. So Heidi, I want to talk a little bit more about trauma and long-term stress on our brain and how it affects us. So talk to us about that. I know that you're an expert in that area. Yes. Yeah, so I think trauma, what happens is if you have something, because I wrote about this in my first book, Caregiver Stress, Neurobiology to the Rescue, I talk about, it's not that you have the stress happen one time, it's that you have it happen like 86 times, and then you have a total breakdown. So I think what happens is it builds, and then our resiliency, our ability to regulate, it gets, it like chips away. Trauma and stress just chip away at our mental health. So yeah, all, all I would say is that, and oftentimes if we have trauma in our past, it's harder to self-regulate. Mm, okay. So, you know, what can we do? What can we do to change that, to, to shift that? So what we want to do is we want to cultivate inner and external resources. So the, the internal resources are the self-regulation that I've been talking about. So that can be uh, meditation and it can be having a caring relationship with a coach like you or a counselor where you're having that resonance, that attuned communication, all those things where you're thinking about thinking that and you're accessing the higher functions of the brain because that encourages integration, the thinking about thinking and you oftentimes do that when you're when you're with a counselor or like one type of integration is called narrative integration where you think about yourself it's called autonoetic consciousness in time so you think about your past you think about your future you think about your present that's a form of integration like there's nine different there's different types of integration so that's all just internal you know internal things we can do meditation having a relationship with a counselor, different things that help us learn how to self-regulate, even yoga. So that's internal tools. And then external, I guess having a relationship with a counselor is kind of like an external tool, right? Having Mm -hmm. securely attached relationships based on the research, um, having the securely attached relationships and doing meditation 
Um, those are the two things that actually strengthen the higher functions of your brain here, those two things. So that those would be my two recommendations, having good quality empathic relationships and then having a daily practice where you have, where you engage in some kind of meditation or prayer where you calm yourself down. Okay. So also I have heard about, you know, changing habits. So many of us have habits that just aren't good, whether it's smoking, whether it's eating wrong, whether it's the way that we choose to be, to respond to stressful situations. And by getting into the, with neuroscience, so even though it might be something that we feel we aren't capable of changing, by getting into the subconscious, which, you know, brain science, we're able to change it more and we're able to change it quicker from what I have read and what I've studied and actually what I've experienced um, by just like going and seeing a, a hypnotherapist and doing some different types of exercises that I have learned to do. And it can happen really fast. So even though you may have had a lifetime of, um, you know, maybe you're raised with parents who always screamed and yelled and no matter what, and that has become your behavior, but you're able to change that where it becomes a new reality for you, a new, um, a new habit. So is this something that you study, Heidi? Is that something that you're, yeah. So what are, do you have, like, I, I teach some techniques on this, on how to change that. Um, you've talked about the narrative a little bit, and that's one way that I have worked with couples to change behavior is to write it out as a story. And how do you want that story to go? Yeah. And do you, can you expand on that? Yeah. Well, you know, I just, I just thought, I was just thinking, I just read this book called The Craving Mind from Cigarettes to Cell Phones, like how we can change habits and why. You know, really interesting book. It just came out. And he, the Dr. Firestone, the author of the book, he has this therapy he calls voice therapy that he coined. And I was just thinking, you know what, that's a good tool that anyone can use who's listening. And what it is is, and you may, you should try it, you'll be like shocked, that whenever you're feeling really judgmental, which you're actually kind of accessing your subconscious when you do that, judgmental particularly of yourself, but it can also be of other people, um, that instead, like let's say I'm, I'm fat, I'm lazy, whatever the things are that are going on in your head, that you actually change it from I to you. I mean, it sounds like such a simple thing. You read it in the, it's one paragraph in your book and like, that's voice therapy, but you have to actually do it. You have to actually say it aloud. You are lazy. You're good for nothing. You're, you know, and I, when I, when I started to do it, I was like, oh my gosh, what you'll find is it's the voice of your parents stored in your brain and in your subconscious. So I think by, by saying it aloud, we're able to differentiate from that programming and choose differently. I think once we become conscious of it, yeah. So Heidi, are you saying that um, by saying, like if, if it's a recording that we say about ourselves, oh, you are, or I am um, lazy. And then if I substitute the word you, you are lazy, that that it's just a way of being more aware of a situation and I can say, oh, you know what? I picked that up from when my parents used to say that. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, but normally the voice therapy is done with a counselor and it's not just like one three word sentence. You actually start doing it and you'll like, you want to do it for like a few paragraphs or a few minutes. Like you'll be shocked at the things that come out of your mouth. 
And the truth is these are things that are stored in your brain that you're thinking and carrying around all the time. It's just, we don't take the time to voice them. We don't even realize that they're controlling us. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's as though you're sitting with a counselor who says, okay, tell me what you think of yourself. You can journal and that diarrhea comes out. Yeah. 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 And so, okay, so I do, I teach one of the, one of the um, tools that I give to my clients are I am statements. Are you familiar with I am statements? Yeah, yeah, no, but explain yeah. here. So, okay, so the I am statements, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I think it's the next part of what you're saying. So the I am statements are the way that you change those negative recordings that aren't serving you anymore. So if you're saying, if in your head you're thinking, gosh, I am so lazy, but you don't want to be lazy, you change it and you say, I am energetic because I go to the gym every day and I get everything done uh, or I get my checklist done. And you have a list of I am statements of behaviors that you want to change and you read them twice a day. You know, I always put mine in, in my medicine cabinet. So when I brush my teeth in the morning and then at night and there's different, you know, there's different ways to, um, to reinforce this, but what it does is it changes that recording that you were just talking about, Heidi, and it, it puts in new statements for yourself, new beliefs, new brain science that becomes what you truly believe about yourself. And I'll just give you a quick little example of one that I did for myself is I was terrified to speak on stage. Absolutely terrified. When I was a young girl, I got stage fright and I, I was dancing and I forgot my entire dance and it was in front of hundreds of people. And so that kind of stayed with me. So I started doing these I am statements saying, I am a fantastic speaker because I love it, connecting with the audience. And I just kept saying them. And now, now I can get on stage and, and have a great time. And I do feel like I'm connected with the audience and I can, I can feel their vibe and I think they understand me. But before, I mean, a few years ago, there was no way in hell you were going to get me on stage. Yep. So that's what I mean by using this recording. Does that make sense? Yeah. So just to bring in the neuroscience, I mean, what I call that in my caregiver stress book is I call it uh, the super highway and then paving a dirt road. So the super highway is the axons and the dendrites of your neurons. They're just parts of a neuron. They're thicker mm -hmm. and they are more of them from childhood. So I call that the super highway. So like when we get, and you're more in the limbic brain. So what I call that the super highway, you get stuck in that when you're, the more your stress arousal goes up, the more you, I say, which is quicker, a dirt road or the highway? You know, the highway's quicker. That's the, our automatic stress response. Then paving a dirt road is what you're describing. It's neuroplasticity and neurogenesis. And, you know, we used to think brain growth stopped about the age 25, but now we know that the brain is capable of neuroplasticity and neurogenesis, which is like creating new neurons and repairing neural networks across the lifespan. You know, and Dr. Siegel has a case study of a 93-year-old lawyer who was very left-brained and did therapy for about a year and completely transformed his relationship with his wife from age 93 to 94. So we know that neuroplasticity and neurogenesis, like, happens across the lifespan. So what you're describing, the I am exercise, is a way that you're paving your dirt, paving a dirt road. You're paving it. And then I say it becomes like one of those happy scenic side highways that you go down that are really pretty. And that's like your ultimate life, right? Right. Yeah. And so I know that um, for those of you 
listening, Heidi cut out a little bit, but what she, one thing I really want to highlight of what she said is as long as you can still think, you can still change. So she talked about, you were talking about um, the study with a 93 to a 94 year old. And so, and I've read that, I've read those studies that show as long as you are breathing and as long as your brain is still intact, you can continue to change your brain science. Your, your neuro is called neuroplasticity and become something different or improve certain situations or ch change beliefs. You're capable. It doesn't matter your age. And so I just wanted to highlight that because I think that's an important um, point because so many of us, we get older, right now, we're, we're stuck in our ways. You hear that all the time. A person's stuck in their ways, but not true. Not true. We're, we're dispelling that, that myth. So anyway, I, Heidi, this has been a fascinating conversation and um, there's so much more to it. If you have a blog post, I would love to share that with my audience and I'll put it on the website. But um, how can people get a hold of you, Heidi? How can they find out more about you? Uh, they can just go to HeidiCrockett.com. I've got blogs, uh, Green Light Heidi and Red Light Heidi, uh, but either one, uh, you know, they're welcome to reach out to me. My email address is HeidiCrockett at gmail.com. So if people have questions, I'm happy to answer them. Perfect. Sounds great. So yeah, that will be on my website as well. You guys, if you were not able to write that down or you don't realize that Crockett ends with two T's and not one. Um, so you can always go to MidoriVerity.com and look for this show and it will all be there for you. So thank you once again for being here. And as always, make sure that you are aware of the gratitude attitude, especially during the holiday season, and to express it to your loved ones and to those who you don't love, because it will come back to you in a positive way and they will probably be nicer to others as well. So until next time, have a great one. Thanks for listening to the Kick-Ass Relationship Show with Midori Verity. We hope you've enjoyed the show and want to share the love by passing on our web address, midoriverity.com forward slash show to your friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out our archive section on our website for previous shows. This has been a Midori Verity International production. Join us next time on the Kick-Ass Relationship Show to add passion and fun to enjoy the most extraordinary relationship and life.